right, welcome back to Mr. Rowan Reckless, bringing you a podcast where we cover sports, music, culture, and all things the South. I'm Logan, this week sitting with Dustin and Ryan. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus due to the holidays and some some other personal stuff coming up, but uh, we're back this week, so let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Dustin, what you got? <laughs> that, was, that was a good start there. I know. Um, <laughs> so Jump, so jumbled here. all over my words to start the intro. It's been a couple of weeks. I'm a little rusty. Yeah, got to knock the rust off, get the boots going. All right, uh, so mine are a little bit um, – I've been sitting on these a little because, you know, I haven't been on here in two or three weeks. Um, so forgive me if they're a bit dated by the time you hear them. But one good uh, that I saw was Sean Taylor's younger brother, Gabe Taylor, plays for Rice. And on the 14th anniversary of Sean Taylor's death, uh, he had a game-winning interception to like seal the deal for the game. I thought it was pretty uh, fitting tribute, if you will, um, to Sean Taylor that his brother sealed up a game on the anniversary of him passing away um, with an interception. It was just a cool moment. Something, you know, folks, if you want to Google it, you can, you can find it easy, but just, just a cool thing. Um, also interesting, <clears throat> and we're going to, have a little fun with this later, but the with all the coaching carousels and and increases in pays and contracts and all the stuff that's going on in the past few weeks, Nick Saban has a clause in his contract that if he falls out of the top three highest paid SEC coaches or the top five of all college coaches, then he basically he gets a pay raise automatically. So his contract basically says I have to be one of the essentially the highest paid coach in college football. So if the market changes, I get a bump. And I think that's perfect for Nick Saban. I can give you seven reasons why that should be the case. <laughs> it's so we can buy more uh, oatmeal cream pies, I guess. <laughs> um, my ugly, and this this is one that's kind of dated, uh, Duke basketball second half collapse against Ohio State was pretty awful. Um, they played like, they played an incredible first half and then just, I don't know, they quit. Like it was, it was, their half court offense got to get a little better. Um, they're of course going to lose some games this year. I was under no illusions that they wouldn't. Um, but you know, it was just a bad second half and they still only lost by a few points. They should have won that game by 15, but anyway, that just a reminder, you know, even, even when you're feeling good, you're still human. So that's my good, interesting, and ugly this week. All right. Ryan, what you got? I do think it's funny that, uh, Dustin, you've always been the Miami guy, Miami apologist on the podcast, and you chose that's right. a, you, baby. You chose a Sean Taylor thing. <laughs> <laughs> those that don't know, Sean Taylor went to Miami when he was in yep. college. And he played for the, the team out of Washington. Yeah. Yeah. The Washington professional. Um, American Football Association. <laughs> that hasn't lost since Halloween. True. Yeah. And they're like, to cheer for. So I saw today they were in the playoffs. So there you go. I mean, they went nine teams in, but all right. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> moving along. <laughs> Good. Um, all right. We'll start right off. Uh don't need to cover too much of this on the podcast, but I had a good road trip over Thanksgiving. Uh Briefly, I'll mention we were we went we went to Bristol, Tennessee, which is where they have the Bristol Night Race. 
Um, just saw the stadium there for the first or uh, the track there for the first time. Went to Gatlinburg. Uh, that was really, really cool. Um, went to Asheville. Not so cool. Um, went to Chapel Hill, <laughs> uh, Raleigh area. Went to the State Carolina football game on what I guess they call Black Friday with Logan. Um, haven't tailgated in about two plus years. So speaking of being rusty, it was a little rusty there. Realized uh, people will like this probably. I realized when I got out of the truck or out of my Jeep at two in the afternoon and uh, I'm going to help Logan load stuff into the tailgate. I realized that uh, I had poured the last of the gin that I had not thought about the night before because it was Thanksgiving and I was being grateful for everything. Um, I realized that it was a little late for us to go to the liquor store and I was going to be in a parking lot for the next five hours. And I was, this is where I said it was a little rusty on tailgating. So my options were beer, uh, which I could not really drink and moonshine that my wife had bought for everyone in Gatlinburg. So I was, I was, uh, was a little, I was just, uh, I don't know if anyone else noticed Logan, but I was just politely drinking about thimble sized, uh, shots of moonshine out of a very large 16 ounce cup with no ice. (laughs) (laughs) So if anyone wants to know what a miserable and reckless tailgating experience is in a parking lot with a bunch of state fans as a Chapel Hill guy, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so that was interesting. Um, bad, uh, the way I played cornhole in the parking. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I would, I would say it would be the Carolina collapse up nine with two minutes to play where I turned to my wife and I said, Oh my goodness, I can't believe we're going to win this game. This is awkward. Well, it was awkward on me, I guess they rushed the field. It was awkward. <laughs> my dad had called uh, pre previous to the game starting. Um, and then, uh, he, he actually texted afterwards and said, I'm very sorry, but at least it was entertaining for us. Thanks, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Auburn collapse was pretty bad. I was going to point that out when we were driving home um, on Saturday after the game. I got out of the car and I I was like, all right, well, we started unloading the car because I figured Auburn had won. Uh, It was about two days later. I texted the guys and I was like, you you mean Alabama won? How did they pull that off? So that was pretty bad. But uh, my real bad is 95 North. Um, That was terrible. Terrible. That was the one of maybe the second worst trip I've ever had home from North Carolina in my life. And we were coming home from Chapel Hill. So not even from Wilmington, where I'm used to coming home from. I think it was nine hours to get home legitimately, which is terrible <laughs> to get home to Annapolis. Um, I was had a lot to drink the night before because, like a true soldier, um, I had gone out in the bar to the bars with Logan afterwards in Chapel Hill. Uh, we stayed out to about two o'clock in the morning. So if anybody's driven home on 95 North on a nine hour trip with a hangover after your team lost. Um, yeah, that was a good time. At least we had some college football on literally the definition of miserable and reckless coming home. And then, uh, my ugly, and I talked to you guys about this ahead of time. Has anyone seen this snowman commercial? The oh, snowman they, commercial? I definitely have not. <laughs> I mean, you, no, I never heard of it. So there's a snowman commercial. I looked it up. It's for Apple. This is an ugly commercial, and that's why it's my ugly of the week. It is a commercial where a little girl makes a snowman, and she puts it out in her yard, and she builds a whole family of snowmen, and they're her friends, and she loves them, and she's just enjoying being around them. And then her older brother comes out and starts stomping them all to death. (laughs) (laughs) He's destroying all of them. And she comes running out of the house and like dives in front of the snowman and saves 
saves the last snowman. She brings him inside. She nurses him back to health by putting him in the freezer. She one time uh, she lays in front of the freezer because the power goes out and she tapes the freezer shut to make sure that the snowman stays safe, you know, during <laughs> during the, the July months or whatever it is. We're led to believe you get all the way back around. Long story short to the winter months. Everybody in the family is so excited for her. She runs outside. She plants the snowman outside. It's this wonderful, joyous experience. They're all together as a family. And somebody runs over the snowman with a bike. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that you mentioned that last part, I do. I just saw this last night and I completely forgotten about it. But the ending was awesome. <laughs> it was not how I expected like this happy, like let's keep the snowman alive all year commercial. I have seen that and it is fantastic. <laughs> like what the hell Apple? Like I, we're at a bar and I don't remember which one um, on vacation. And my wife like physically like recoiled when she saw the bike run over the snowman. It's so messed up. They're like for all, it's like this tagline of like for everyone who's been waiting to gather again. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like basically Apple saying like the way I took it was for everyone who's been waiting for a year to gather with your family. Now you remember why you did it. You know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, that was long winded, but I felt like it was worth it here. So it, it's definitely worth check. Go to YouTube and check that out. Cause it's definitely worth, I've actually seen that. And it's very, it's very funny. <laughs> miserable and reckless tailgating, miserable and reckless on 95 and then miserable and reckless commercial. So that's my good, bad and terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right so this week i've actually got pretty much all good news i'll go in the chronological order of all my goods um as ryan alluded to earlier he and his wife came down to north carolina for the state carolina game had a good time seeing them tailgating the uh state carolina game uh, is an extension of that good the game started off great for the Wolfpack on the first possession bl- uh, blocked the punt and scored an early touchdown, went up 14-0. Then the whole middle part of the game was just Carolina coming back and then taking a double-digit lead, and it was just like, oh, here we go. I was like, we we, we couldn't move the ball effective, effectively enough on offense. But then the craziest thing I've ever seen in college football, two minutes and like 12 seconds to go in the game, down nine. Um, don't know how Emeka Mezzi got as open as he did, but a 64-yard touchdown. We're uh, back in it if we can just do the in- inevitable. And... Um, get the onside kick. And I turned and looked at everybody and said, if we get this onside kick, I'll take a lap naked around the stadium. <laughs> little did I know, but the kicker recovered the onside kick and everybody, including the strangers behind us were like, well, <laughs> I was like, well, I may have uh, bit off a little more than I can chew on this one. It's November. <laughs> then next thing you know, Mecca Mezzi again, gets another like 30 yard touchdown pass for the win. It was crazy. Students rushed the field. Like it was, it was the, wildest thing I, I saw a stat that in that scenario where a team is uh down nine with two or down nine plus with two minutes and 30 seconds to go this season they were the team that was down was zero and 451 well now thanks to the wolf pack they that stat is now one in 451 so hell of an ending to a game improbable crazy a lot of fun to be there at that stadium um the second good is We've just been slowly getting more and more good news of unexpected returnees back for NC State. 
Uh, Isaiah Moore's back. Um, it looks like Derek Thomas is back. Cyrus Fagan, the starting safety, who's been out all years back. The um, uh, starting corner that was the uh, one of our best corners, Marshall transfer, Derek Pitts, he's back. And then I heard on the Pack Pride podcast that Peyton Wilson is uh, like 80% uh, like uh, probability he's coming back. So it's looking like the NC State defense is really only going to be losing the Penn State transfer, Daniel Joseph, and maybe Tanner Engel, which would be a big loss. But that defense has been legit this year, and it looks like we're going to be stacked again next year. So I'm excited about that. And then my last good, and it's the most recent, um, if you like Miserable and Reckless, we were on a little bit of a hiatus, if you will, but now <clears throat> a the longer hiatus, the indefinite hiatus that is now snapped is one of my favorite bands in the entire world and who I contend are the best band in country music, Turnpike Troubadours. They are officially back. They started, they wiped their social media clean. They put on their, they redid their website and put a new logo on there and said coming soon. Everybody was like, let's hope this isn't like a Black Friday sale with new merch. But I mean, it's kind of weird for them to do this. Then they posted a brand new uh, promo photo of the entire band, including lead singer Evan Felker. And they've announced that they are going back on tour and new album is on the way. <clears throat> so in honor of the best band in country music, Turnpike Troubadours coming back, I'm wearing my Mercury Lounge hat with some lyrics from their song, The Mercury, that was given to me by my sister-in-law, Jenny. And uh, so this is huge news. Can't wait to see those guys. I didn't think, I honestly didn't think I was ever going to get to see them in concert again. It's fantastic live band, fantastic music. I mean, hell, me, Dustin, Andy, and Jenny all went uh, out, flew out to Tulsa, Oklahoma to see them on New Year's Eve a few years back. So they're that good. Check them out. But it's pretty the cold in December, in case you yeah. didn't know. Nine degrees, waiting for 30 minutes to get into Kane's ballroom. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't cut no, out for that. Ryan, no doubt Ryan. in a pair of jeans and Sperry's, right? <laughs> <laughs> I probably was. Actually, no, I was probably no, wearing boots to that one, but <laughs> they don't have nothing to block all that wind either. So it's it was cold. Yeah. I mean, I I've, I do have to mention though that uh it was pretty cold at the State Carolina game and Ryan was wearing uh Sperry's with no socks. And I was like, how are you not freezing right now? <laughs> I that's don't know how that's you did typical. That. I'm surprised you didn't wear shorts and flip flops. Well, it wasn't Wilmington weather. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit chilly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my uh, my good times three. So, <laughs> all right, moving into the song of the month. Um, we're this is really for November, but you know this is an early December episode. But like I said, we were on a little bit of a hiatus, but now we're back. So as you know, once a month, Ryan and I pick a song, one a piece, and then we collab on one. And these songs will be on the Miserable and Reckless playlist, available on Spotify for all of your listening pleasures. So Ryan, if you want to start things off with your individual song, what you got for us this month? Sure. So I uh, this is a little bit of an old song, but it's new to me apparently. I said that the wrong way. It's an old song, apparently, but it's new to me. Um, I was watching a documentary recently, and this song was playing in it. And I said, man, I swear I've heard this before. And I um, went and found the band that I thought it was. And sure enough, it was it was the right song. Um, just hadn't heard it in a minute. And it's good enough. And it was a song that uh, will probably end up being one of the songs of the year for me. And it was also a great road trip song. And obviously, over the past month, I uh, spent two weeks on the road. So um, my song is The Trip by a band called Still Corners. Um, it's off their album, Strange Pleasures. And uh, really, for me, it's just the sonic, uh, the, the, I don't want to get too carried away, but it's, it's the guitar and the atmospherics of this song. Um, send it to Logan, and uh, it'll be on the playlist. 
which again, we, we do have all these songs we've done over the past. Um, it'll be kind of cool to see how they all work at the end of the year on a playlist together. But for me in particular, this song, as soon as it starts, you get about 15, 30 seconds in, and it's about a six minute long song. And uh, behind the wheel of the Jeep, just driving through the mountains, seeing the mist rise off the trees and stuff like that. It's almost like I, it's one of those songs where you can almost picture yourself somewhere when you're when you're listening to the song the song is about how many miles the guy has to go in order to go through this trip whether or not he's talking about life or whether or not he's talking about where he's going um i believe it's a brother sister combo it may be a husband and wife um there's other really interesting songs off of that off of that album strange pleasures but again it'll be on the playlist i'm not going to go wild trying to explain it all i'll say is that it's guitar driven um it's atmospheric it's really, really interesting and, and uh, to listen to. And if you can, uh, amazing guitar solo, that isn't what you think. It's not in the Eddie Van Halen type of guitar solo or Prince type of guitar solo. It's, uh, I keep saying the word atmospheric, but it's just, it's, it's, it's pleasant. It's really pleasant. And if you have it, especially on in a car or on a set of headphones, it's going to just surround you. With, even if you're just walking down the street, you're going to feel like you're in one of those commercials where you just kind of look like you're... <laughs> on your own chewing gum walking around you know what i mean so it was a it was it's a fascinating song and the way that they used it in the documentary is perfect it's uh happens to be a group of guys that are on a sailboat and uh the sun's coming up over the horizon and you can just see the sunrise for about uh, 180 degrees for about 45 minutes so it's just it's it's exactly what you think it is it's scenic and atmospheric and again the trip by still corners all right, so that brings me to my individual song. I uh, also picked an old song, but it's not new to me. Um, I picked it because, like I said, Turnpike Troubadours is back. So I picked a Turnpike song to highlight this week to get it on the playlist. And but I, it's what I consider one of their most underrated tracks. It's from their, it's technically their second uh, album, but it's still it's their first that's available on uh, Spotify from the 2010 record Diamonds and Gasoline. I picked the song Down on Washington. This song, um, yeah, like I said, it, it's it's a really good song, but it's not like what people consider the hits for Turnpike Troubadours. But Turnpike has a really unique sound in that a lot of their songs, it, it's undeniably country, but it's got just enough rock and roll in the guitar to keep uh, passive listeners interested. But it, the uh, a lot of their melodies and, and sonic structures kind of have like this boot stomp almost kind of a uh, way to it as well. And then Kyle Nicks on the fiddle, as Dustin is uh, reminding me now in the, in the chat on the side um is it just makes is the perfect like uh, uh accompaniment to almost every single track they're on it's a fantastic band to listen to but down on washington is one that kind of highlights every single aspect of what i just said about their sonics uh like palette that they have and this song in particular the melody is fantastic it's it's pretty much my take on it it's pretty much it's a song about this guy who is, seems to be like head over heels for this girl but uh, for whatever reason, it's not working out. But I think that uh, it, the way I've, I've interpreted this song for years is that she actually is involved with someone else and hasn't told him. And uh, the like the second verse kind of illustrates that. He's like, but don't you understand? I'm an honest man. He's like, but I would steal you in a heartbeat if the uh, choice were up to me. 
and then like gets into the chorus, which is one of my favorite and most infectious choruses they have, where it's like, dear, I fear we found ourselves a sticky situation. It's an awkward occupation, disregarding right from wrong. He's like, you were down on Washington dancing like the devil. Oh, and I'm just a fool who's loved you all along. So it's like, I, that's my take on that song is that it's, it's a guy who is pretty much in love with this girl, but she's kind of been a two-timer and uh, hasn't told him that he's the other guy. And it's kind of, it's kind of nice once in a while for the song to not have the man as the, as the antagonist in the song. So hats off to Evan Felker for writing that one, but definitely check out down on Washington from 2010's diamonds and gasoline by turnpike. All right. So let's move on to the combo pick. Ryan, you found the song. So why don't you introduce it? Sure. So occasionally, um, you know, me and Logan, we don't have kids so we can stay up a little bit later. And sometimes we'll be exchanging texts back and forth or listen to some music late night if we don't have anything to do or don't want to spend money out. <laughs> and uh, one night we were listening to the new, uh, the name of the band is The War on Drugs. And their new album is I Don't Live Here Anymore. First of all, uh, wonderful name for a band, The War on Drugs. <laughs> That's a phenomenal name. Um, they're one of my favorite bands. I went to go see them uh, in Philly a couple of years ago, they always play a show up in Philly, uh, and, uh, around this time of year, actually, um, early December, they play like a Christmas show and it's phenomenal, but, uh, uh, their new album came out and Logan, I would be interested to hear because I kind of sent the album over your way. And I think you were like, Oh, oh okay, man, whatever. And then like, I, if I remember correctly, about like 24 hours later, it was like, man, I, I can't stop listening to this. And we'd agreed to a couple songs. And the song we picked for the combo pick off this album is the song Occasional Rain, which closes out the album. Yeah. So what do you think? Yeah. So with you sent this to me and like I had heard some of We're On Drugs, like for some context uh, in the past. Um, some of it I liked, some of it didn't. It was kind of hit or miss for me. But this record, um, it, it kind of grabbed me with like the, kind of the 80s influenced kind of like sonic uh sounds that they kind of incorporated and you to like you uh said when it came to your individual pick this song in particular occasional rain um i kind of had that kind of atmospheric kind of vibe to it as well um in my mind and that i really liked and I actually introduced my um I have a buddy at work who's a little bit hippie. And I was like, I told him, I said, you should listen to this. Uh, you might like this. And he texted me a day later and he was like, dude, thanks for telling me that me and my wife are loving this record, man. I was like, nah, I figured you'd like it. But, um, so it's like, you know, in some ways it kind of comes across like easy listening, slightly hippie ish rock music, I think was kind of the best way I could describe it without being like super nerdy about the music, but I really dug it. And this song in particular I did because the I've I've been trying to get a hammer down on what this song 100% is about because like I said it's a rock band so the lyrics are not as on the nose as country music is it's a little bit more um they use a lot of analogies it's a little bit it's not it's a little bit more vague than it is like specific but like from what I my take on this song is and what, at least my interpretation of it I think why I like it it's like he I almost skip all the way to the bottom refrain where they finally introduce the title of the song. It's not like a, a very hooky song where the you, the title of the song is like in every single refrain of the chorus, but it, you finally get it at the end and it's like almost like it builds up to the payoff. And um, it's like, it's again, a guy talking to a girl about like their relationship. And then he's like, he says, feel the storm coming on, feel the darkness at your gate, live the loneliness of life, keep on moving at your pace. Ain't the sky just shades of gray until you've seen it from the other side. And that has a question mark. So I'm thinking like, you know, it's like talking about the bad aspects of their relationship. 
but then like he's like until you've seen it from the other side question mark about like it's almost he's like if uh we, the grass isn't always greener kind of so to speak so oh if loving you is the same it's only some occasional rain so it's like yeah there are some bad things but it's mostly good so it's like like you said that's where the kind of the hook of the song i guess even though it wasn't used very often but it's like the uh, the bad things is really just some occasional rain so things are really actually all right that was kind of like my take on the song so what it, what was yours? Because I'm interested because I bet we have something completely different. Because like I said, this yep. is vague lyrics in rock music. It tends to lead to different interpretations. So I was curious about this one in particular because we typically collab on like mainstream country. Right. So the War on Drugs is pretty interesting. The lead singer is a guy named Adam Grand, Grandisil. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. Uh, he, he has some demons. Let's just leave it at that. Um, the first thought, it's interesting that you brought up that, that verse. Um, I, I won't necessarily repeat it, but the, uh, ain't the sky just shades of gray until you've seen it from the other side. Um, first of all, there's some addiction stuff that's going on. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I like the name of the band and I like these guys. Um, I'd be interested if that there's two different things that immediately struck, uh, a chord with me and hearing, first of all, the sonic, we keep saying that word. Basically what I mean by that is. I really like the way it sounds. <laughs> I forget the way you, I forget the way you described it, but it's pretty much how all my music sounds. I think you called it easy listening, hippie music. <laughs> yeah, it was, I said it was easy listening, uh, hippie ish, uh, music that has interesting guitar as uh, I can't remember if that's exactly what I said, but it's roughly, roughly that. So I'm not a grateful dead hippie fan, but that you could also use that terminology to describe Fleetwood Mac. And that's perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> to the uh but to that point to move from that point to a, maybe a darker point or more interesting point um i was wondering if uh ain't the sky just shades of gray until you've seen it from the other side think about a storm coming through and if you've ever been in a plane and you've flown through the clouds in a storm and all of a sudden you break through the clouds and it's blue and you can see the sun or the sun setting or whatever i wondered if that was a reference to somebody passing away from an addiction Ain't, ain't it gray when you're battling against your addiction or whatever until you've seen it from the other side, like you go to heaven or wherever you may go. Um, so I thought that that was interesting. It's only occasional rain, like life being like, it, you know, it, it's only so long that it would last until this too shall pass kind of thing. It's interesting that you said it was from a, a context and neither one of us, I don't know if we're right, but it was interesting that you said from the context of speaking to a woman, because I thought that it could be the context of having a conversation with a higher power. Whereas somebody might be apt to do, especially in relation to addiction with, um, that's something where you, when people go to rehab, there's a lot of conversations with a higher power, reliance on a higher power to kind of get them through and things of that nature. And, uh, in looking at the lyrics I have up on the screen here, like I got swept up in a world so strange when you'd never even recognize, uh, oh, but I slipped away. Now I'm a stranger and I don't know why it's killing me, but your words they brought me out on the steady ground when I was wounded and ashamed. And you guys can look up the rest of the lyrics. It's almost like he's uh, the, the person and the narrator in the song is kind of wrestling back and forth with this person who they, they don't know who they are anymore. Um, but they kind of were able to, and, and the world's kind of changing around them, but they were able to kind of find solid ground in the words that somebody said to them, whether that's a woman, whether that's a higher power, whether that's a friend, whether that's whatever. Um, I just, Again, none of us really knows the right answer. I guess we'd have to go ask Mr. Adam, but uh, I, I, it's a fascinating song. We're probably diving way too deep into the lyrics. If you listen to the song, you're going to be like, this sounds like Tom Petty in the 80s. Well, that's why we like it. Okay. <laughs> but it, it does kind of remind me, like I said, I think I texted you that day. I was like, it has a very like 80s kind of like soft rock 
kind of sound yep. to it. And I was curious as to what your take on it was, because while we have some crossover in music that we both like, um, I think we also come from a little bit of different backgrounds on music that we listen to a lot. And I've definitely come from a lot more of like a, a country straight ahead, like lyrically, uh, lyrical sense. So it's like, I was interested to see what, what your take on it was with it. Cause this wasn't easy to nail down just from listening to it. And then I had to read the lyrics to, after listening to it three times, just to try to get a grasp on what he's saying, because there's a lot of wordplay and a lot of analogies. So it's definitely an interesting song. And I definitely, uh, definitely glad that you sent it over and we should, people should definitely check it out. You know what my favorite lyric is Which in one? the entire song? <laughs> So there's a lyric in the song where he says he's living on an old par three, which he'll definitely play in the future. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason for him to throw that in, but he throws yeah. in that he's living on a par three golf course for no reason. That, that's like, like almost like something that you would expect from like Jeff Tweedy. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, in the song, um, uh, shoot, I can't even think of the name of it now, but he's like, I'm an American aquarium drinker. I assassin down the Avenue. I'm just like, what in the hell is this song even about? He's like, take off your band aid because I don't believe in touchdowns. <laughs> None of his lyrics make any sense, but no. it's good music. It is good music. I'm trying to break your heart. Is yep, that's it. Yeah, I'm trying to break your heart. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song, but I'm trying to break your heart. <laughs> if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. I guess that's where American Aquarium got their name. So. It actually is, yeah. BJ it actually is. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I think he I said he was drunk one night. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think he said he was drunk one night and he um, heard that, was listening to that song and he's like, that would be a great band name. And then he's like, years later, he was like, I kind of wished I'd pick something else. <laughs> it's a great name. It's unique. Yeah. See, America, we're not just college football. That's right. We got a little music mixed in there and a variety of music at that. But now you mentioned college football. Let's dive into it. Dustin, give us the <laughs> recap of what happened this past weekend. It was championship weekend. It was. It was championship weekend. Even though we did not record ahead of time, we did make our picks. So not going to get into the records. We want to have Morgan here to crown a champion. But uh, let's go through last week's games, kind of do an overview of who won and what we picked. Oregon and Utah. Well, we know the result of that game. Utah ran Mario Cristobal right out of town. Um, <laughs> For a second so, straight game. <laughs> yep, Twice. second time. I guess he couldn't handle it. Um, I assumed we weren't picking that game, but the because it was like halfway through by the time I actually started to put my picks in. But anyway, I probably would have picked Utah. Who's to say? I didn't write it down, so you can't count it for me. But the the other two gentlemen on this podcast did pick Utah. Um, I actually was going to pick Utah just because I remember watching uh, at Ten Roof the Utah Oregon game when it happened right. in the regular season. I think I texted you guys. I was like, Utah's beating the shit out of Oregon. <laughs> yeah, no, with how bad they beat them, I I did not anticipate a second beatdown, but I did figure they would probably win the game. But whatever, don't don't put it in my win column. I'm still above five hundred. Um, then we had App State and the Raging Cajuns. There's only one person on this podcast who picked the Raging Cajuns to do it. That's this man right here. I guess y'all didn't have a little any faith in uh, old Billy, Billy Napier, as he was halfway out the door. But a man who sticks nope. around to coach his bowl game or his championship game, not his bowl game. You gotta, you gotta believe in that and believe in his players. I mean, App has um, had a lock on that conference for a while. So until somebody unseated him, I was just like, huh? <laughs> yeah, Raging Cajun's been good for a little bit, though. 
And um, yeah, and, I, good. I, and I only like somewhat halfway sort of pretend to pay attention to them because uh, Jenny CEO is a Raging Cajuns alum. So we actually hear about them quite a bit. Um, and I, I'd like to point out that we said ran Mario Cristobal right out of town because that guy's a bum. And then we also pointed out, oh, Billy Napier sticking around. That's what we like to see from a coach coaching his bowl game, his championship <laughs> games. <laughs> Look at the way we turned that around to work favorably for us, America. <laughs> That's why we're uh, one of the best podcasts on the internet today. Remember, rate, review, unless you hate us, rate and review and, and share with your friends. And make sure you subscribe and follow Spotify, there you go. Apple Podcast, Amazon, pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, then we had Michigan, Iowa, and oh my goodness, Coach Khaki, Michigan, uh, big, not big blue nation, but I guess they consider themselves big blue nation, but lost their minds. They finally got the monkey off the back with Ohio State, and then they won the championship game. Let's not spend too much time on that. Angle did pick them, but no, I can't pick them. Screw them. I picked I them because I picked them because they were playing inside a dome in Indianapolis and I know how soft they are. So that's why I picked them. I figured that would be the softest place possible for them to win a championship. It's funny. It's funny. Like how we call them soft and I definitely agree, but then you get look on Twitter and Dave Portnoy, who's a uh, Michigan grad. He's out there tweeting, like going on rants lately about Michigan. He's like, Anybody who thought that Ohio State was going to win, he goes, they're a bunch of fruity, soft team. He goes, Mich- I'm a Michigan man. He's like, he's like Michigan is the school of Tom Brady and Dave Portnoy, champions. <laughs> <laughs> too, hard too, to argue with it. Hard to argue noted. with those two, but it's also easy to argue with those two because all you got to do is say Jim Harbaugh. So no, <laughs> yeah. I'm out. Two notedly soft individuals who are known to uh, immediately take slight to anything you say and keep it on their shoulders forever. <laughs> Noted Michigan men, not soft. Got it. Moving on. Got it. Got it. Uh, then we had Houston and Cincy, which is, it was actually a big time game, not because of the championship, the conference championship, because no one cares about that conference championship. Um, what is it? American Athletic? Who, who cares? Doesn't matter. They got the numbers jumbled. AAC is the ACC that we care about. <laughs> but um, it's the conference with ECU. Oh, there you go. Conference with ECU. That makes more sense. Anyway, who, are, who in the world thought Houston was going to win that game? Come on, America. They just ranked them so that they could have a, a matchup of two ranked teams. Mm, they were 11 and 1 with 11 straight wins. <laughs> Against two. Who did they beat? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. Since he <laughs> secured their spot, in the college football playoff because of this good on them. I might even be cheering them on and with the rest of the lineup that's in that awful playoff that we got to watch this year. Um, and then, which brings me to the UGA Alabama game. Disappointing. What, what in the world? What an awful, 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 awful game. Just awful. And Logan, you, you have a hot take. I think you wanted to to put out there on UGA. Like everybody was a believer, right? Top defense. Their offense was looking pretty good. I was even a believer up until uh, that game. Like, but uh, you know, the reality is if you look at their schedule, their best win was against a Clemson team that is now ranked and was disrespected. But we were told by the national media and the traditional media, which is why you should follow an alternative media like miserable and reckless. 
we were ever we were told all season long Clemson sucked. Clemson was the best win Georgia had on their schedule, and they only beat them in a ten to three game because the defense got a pick six. That's how awful both offenses were in that game. Even though both defenses are good defenses, but come on, like softy Sherman schedule, SEC kiss my ass. And like no, Bama Bama ran the dog on them once again. And yes, pun definitely intended. Yeah, Nick Saban still owns that entire conference. I'm kind of I'm kind of salty with UGA because I've been on their train all year. Now I think they're just going to get the shit kicked out of them again by their daddy Nick Saban. Yeah, awful. They they shouldn't even be in the playoff at this point because just. I know you can't not put them in there because of all the hype they got around them. But they but shouldn't be in. Goodness. Like, they they were supposed to be the number one team in the nation. They got ran out of town in their own home city. Like, not literally where they play football, but it's their state. I'd rather see 11-1 Notre Dame in there over Georgia right now, and that tells you something. Yeah, with a first-time head coach who hasn't coached a game yet. <laughs> so, And then that brings us to the most important game of the week, which was Pitt and Wake. Everybody was just absolutely thrilled to see how that would turn out. And, <laughs> well, uh, I guess what I can say is everybody on this podcast got it right. The Coastal Division finally won the conference, and we got that going for us. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett is of, a finalist. He was announced as a finalist to go to New York for the Heisman, Heisman. Trophy. I've been, mm-hmm. I've been a big supporter of this guy all year. He's put up – uh, unreal numbers. I think he holds the record for the ACC single season touching, uh, pass down touchdowns, passing touchdowns this year. And um, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that while it probably should be illegal in the future, it isn't now. And that fake slide he had for their first touchdown oh was sick. It was sick. Yeah. Yep. It's not illegal right. now. And it was so do we have? Moves. Do we have thoughts on this? I was going to bring this up. I'm glad you brought it up. I think. He's totally fine to do that slide exactly one time. And from now on, every single defense that he plays against, including in the NFL, knows he has it in his trick book. So I was explaining this to my wife because she's all for it. Oh, they should do it every time. I said, it's a former defensive player. I'm taking his ass out every single time. I'm not leading with the helmet, but I'm taking him out every time. Sorry, I thought he was going to fake slide. I didn't realize he was going to really slide this time. No, I, I agree with you because the reason I don't think we had never seen that before. So that's why we really didn't know how to react to it. But it, it looked cool in action. But reality is it shouldn't be legal because if you're going to have all these soft penalties, and there may be good reason for it. I'm not saying it's not. But if we're going to have all these soft penalties to protect offensive players and in particular quarterbacks, they can't be fake sliding because when if he would have slid, the moment he would have started his slide is where he would have been downed because he would have been giving himself up. So you can't fake giving yourself up, everybody slows up and then you run past him and score a touchdown. Either you, you can't do that or let the dogs loose and defensive backs are able to tee off on the quarterback when they're sliding. It's no, it's can't have both. Yeah. Well, that second one ain't never happening again. So, um, it's kind of like the commercial with the, they take the baby carriage out on the the field and then (laughs) pretend like it's a baby and then they run the football in for a touchdown. So that's basically what that was you get it once and then it's over and uh it worked it was pretty cool but here we are it, no more so um that was that was totally the difference in the game by the way they didn't they didn't win by like 35 or anything <laughs> right it wasn't that their defense held them uh wake forest prolific offense to 21 points a, and i think shut them out in the second half yeah. well if yeah. you look at if you look at what wake struggled with this year if you have a good defensive front their line wasn't able to hold up 
for them to basically run their modified triple option offense. So Pitt was, I think, second in the country in sacks, and they just put a lot of pressure on them, and it worked. Yeah. uh, Wake Forest slow mesh is essentially the football version of Tony Bennett's awful basketball offense it's just like when you're not the team that's when you, if you're not a wake fan it's it sucks to watch it's sl- so slow developing and then their receivers at perry gets away with shoving off every game at least once yeah i'm not salty so, at all <laughs> no, i'm not complaining because we we beat them this year so therefore um i'm claiming carolina and miami as the official champions of the acc because uh I know Dustin agrees with me. Miami beat both teams. Um, we lost on a bullshit shove off uh, to Pittsburgh at the very last second. So the official position of miserable and reckless is Miami and Carolina have now been elected champions of the ACC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that's official, but <laughs> but I will you can like have our NC State three way tie. <laughs> I, I will say that- like our letter to Coastal inviting them in and kicking Syracuse out. Yeah, (laughs) I will say there is uh, one other game I do want to mention because they, as I've said, I have a weird affinity for some Big 12 football games. I don't know why I find them entertaining. And this year, the Big 12 actually had some good defense. Oklahoma State, I've always been a big fan watching them. I think it's because I'm a masochist and I enjoy being disappointed by the sports teams that I watch. And mean the slightly more successful version of North Carolina State State. pretty much yeah and they did it again (laughs) I really was thinking they were gonna they were gonna have a chance at the playoff if things broke right they were gonna win the big 12 championship and literally when they say it's a game of inches (laughs) no joke because (laughs) that guy turned the corner and he took a terrible angle to the pylon and missed it by about three inches and they lost the big 12 championship uh on fourth down I mean you can't make that stuff up I was like I texted the guys I said Man, I I really feel for the fans that I can't relate to that. Oh wait, yes I can. <laughs> I turned to that game with two minutes left because I could care less about the Big Twelve. I don't know if that's been stated enough on this podcast. <laughs> I literally turned to it just for you with two minutes left. I watched the end of the game and I was like, "Wow, I can't believe he actually somehow missed the pylon on fourth down with zero point zero left on the clock, and he just dove a quarter of an inch too soon." Literally a quarter of an inch too soon. Yep. And I was like, I Half think that was the difference or, you know, and just, I really think it's the angle we took. It was awful. I was like, mm-hmm. I think that's the team that Logan wanted to. Yep. That was the team Logan wanted to win. Wow. Yep. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, every time I try to watch Oklahoma state, they find a way to lose it. So they're just awful. I'm out. I'm off their bandwagon now. I'm out. This is, this is the team you wanted to invite to the ACC for the record. Yes. Right? I, I feel a kinship with the uh, the Cowboys out out there in Stillwater because I just feel like, like you said, they really are a slightly more successful version of NC State. So it's like I almost want them to do well because I feel like I can I can really uh, empathize. That's been a popular word in the past year. I can empathize <laughs> with with Oklahoma State. Pass. I mean, <laughs> I hear you. I, I'd like to see Mike Gundy and the mullet do well, but. You know what? It ain't never going to happen. All right. So moving on. Um, Lincoln McCreary Riley's USC Trojans <laughs> played it too, so late that no one on the East Coast cared, and we're not going to cover it any more than that. But <laughs> speaking of Lincoln Riley, I think we want to get into what's been going on in college football here in the past uh, two or three weeks. It's been crazy. So this is one of those topics where sometimes during the week we'll text back and forth and we'll be like, what? Should we come up with for a topic? What would America be interested in? 
screw America. What would we be interested in talking about? Well, sometimes you just, you get handed it and you're like, all right, I guess this is what we have to talk about because it's historic. That's right, America. We have to talk about the coaching carousel. I know, I know more college football, but guess what? It truly is historic. Okay. About a week ago, we started to look at stuff and we were like, what is going on? And the longer and the longer and the longer that we didn't do a podcast, because as we said, life and other things were happening over the weekend and everything else. And it just, it got to the point where it was like, well, just add it to the list. Just add it to the list. Just add it to the list. Oh, another guy changed, add it to the list. Some, it's actually a blessing in disguise. We didn't do this podcast on the night. We usually do it because now we got a few more days extra of content. Um, so I, I'd say, when did all this coaching carousel start? Um, well, I, I, you guys agree. I would guess it's it's when Lincoln Riley, the uh, what four year coach at Oklahoma, very successful. I think he went something like fifty and ten or something like that. Three BCS, uh, what are they called now? College CFB. football appearances. Yeah. Um, so he jumped from what I would consider to be a blue blood of Oklahoma, who also recently, as we know, moved from the Big Twelve in a few years to the SEC, and he jumped to. Southern Cal, as in USC, the Trojans, the Reggie Bushes. Um, well, going from blue blood to blue blood, wow, that that really hasn't happened since World War II up until <laughs> 36 hours later when Brian Kelly decides to leave the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at the age of 60. The winningest coach having, in Notre Dame history. <laughs> yep. Yes. Literally broke Newt Rockney's record and was like, peace, I'm out, which uh, just <laughs> it's not super Cool. We can get into that later. And, and, and before, you, before you move on, his daughter is, is currently a senior at Notre Dame and she has five more months. And she said that she's getting booed as she walks to class by the Notre Dame students. <laughs> the guy so just what bought you're a... telling me is he does not care enough about his daughter to save her from being booed on campus. This man's anti-family. He's I think we've solved it. There it is. <laughs> I, Logan, you said it wrong. He's anti-family. That's how he would say it in South Bend. Oh, that's uh, good. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how he'd say it in his newly acquired Cajun accent. Family. It's three <laughs> syllables. It's three <laughs> syllables. I do declare. <laughs> <laughs> it would be for, incredible if he were to start wearing uh, like suspenders and saying I do declare. All basically over. looking like Colonel Sanders from KFC. <laughs> He, uh, it's not that far oh, off. Man. It's not that far off. For those that don't know what we're talking about, he was introduced at a basketball game in Baton Rouge to LSU, and he came out and he just started sporting the Southern accent all of a sudden. For the record, in case anyone's wondering, he's from Southern Massachusetts, so maybe that's the Southern part. And uh, <laughs> then he spent the last 30 years coaching in the Midwest. So um, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, I guess he watched a couple episodes of Bloodline and thought he had it going. And uh, I'm not really sure what was going on there, but he was getting roasted on, on the internet as he should. Um, so, so, all right. So we had about this time last week, we had jobs that were open simultaneously were USC Trojans, LSU Tigers, Oklahoma um, for a split second and Notre Dame. I believe at this point in time, all four of their jobs have been filled. USC has Lincoln Riley. LSU now has Brian Kelly. Uh, by the way, that's Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, not Brian Kelly from Florida Georgia Line. Just wanted to point that out because <laughs> <laughs> I spelled I spelled his name wrong in a text, and none of you called me out for it, which I appreciated. I added the extra e in there for Kelly. I'm not sure why my phone corrected to the lead singer of Florida Georgia yeah, Line, but the Beach Cowboy himself. 
<laughs> yeah. And then uh, Notre Dame had their job filled by their uh, former defensive coordinator. Uh, so a couple things to Google. If you haven't already seen these, Google uh, Brian Kelly giving his LSU family speech in uh, LSU. And then you can also Google the, and I'm, I'm blanking on his name, uh, the defensive coordinator Marcus for Notre Freeman. Dame being introduced to his players. That is phenomenal. Talk about running through a wall for people. So, yep. uh, and, and the, so, it, so the reporting has been the players pushed for him to be hired. Like that was, yeah. I mean, I, who knows what the administration would have done. Um, they may have picked him, they may not have picked him, but apparently the players were very much in his corner and also good on him and good on the offensive coordinator and a lot of the staff for being like, yeah, no, I'm not leaving Notre Dame to go to LSU. Um, they because stuck around. Brian, they, their continuity, yeah. yeah, their continuity is like pretty solid. It's basically just Brian Kelly's gone. Yeah, and Marcus Freeman is like 35 years old. <clears throat> so if this pans out and he really is entrenched in the Notre Dame tradition, this could be a fantastic actually move for them in the long run. Yep. So the offensive coordinator that you mentioned is Tommy Reese. Brian Kelly mm-hmm. thought he was bringing those guys with him, and they basically said, thanks, no thanks. We're going to keep our little a little kingdom here. Uh, I, and from what I remember, Freeman basically said, if you hire me, Tommy Reese is coming with. Um, Tommy Reese being the, uh, he pushed for that. So it's interesting. The players push for the DC, the DC push for the OC. So it's pretty cool. Tommy Reese is a quarterback from back in the day. He also played at Notre Dame and was pretty prolific. Um, not in the Brady Quinn type of sense, but uh, still pretty solid. So higher or solid keep. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> it's pretty solid keep Notre Dame. Um, guys thoughts on that before we jump into the timeline of how ridiculous all this has been i mean i i like the hire by notre dame i think that it, like you said the continuity there the players are all seem like to be um very excited about it and um i like that those guys stuck up for the program and i think like you said with tommy reese being a notre dame guy um it, it it's cool to see that he's more loyal to the program than uh, i think his former coach and his former ball so all right. Go ahead, Dustin. You were you saying anything? Yeah, I mean with with Notre Dame, it actually makes me like them a lot more than I previously right. did. I mean, like just the way that whole situation went down where I guess I can't blame a man, and we can get into this in general with all of these coaches. I can't blame a man for saying like this is a good opportunity, I'm gonna take it. But I just felt like maybe it could have been done a little bit different. And maybe there shouldn't have been so many assumptions made when he was like deciding to go after this new opportunity. And I just respect the hell out of the like Tommy Reese and um, Marcus Freeman and the, and the staff for being like, no, we're Notre Dame guys. And uh, you don't see a lot of that in college football, especially now used to be right. 30 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, there were, there were program guys. And I mean, the past three weeks, it's showing there's not a lot of program guys out there anymore. And um, God bless them. I hope it works out up in Notre Dame because those guys could be a force and could be sort of what you love about college football or what you're supposed to love about college sports. Um, just that continuity and tradition and, and, and love for the program as much as, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of recruits and paycheck, can I get? 
Yeah. And looks like we do have some breaking news. It's a reversal from previously on a former episode of Miserable and Reckless. It looks like Rudy has taken his name out of the transfer portal. He has decided to remain at Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get like a like a breaking news soundboard or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, I do I do want to say quickly though that I th- I do think it's important to note in my view that I think it's a little different with um, Lincoln Riley's jump versus Brian Kelly's. Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame for like 11 years, all-time winning as coach at the program. He's a little older. Lincoln Riley's 38 years old, and like he had only been there as head coach for, I think, four seasons. Um, he, he was heavily recruiting California anyways, and when you're committing that much money that USC has to the program, and he, he can just drive around – Southern California and his car, as opposed to having to fly out there for recruiting at his age. I don't blame the guy for going to Southern Cal. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think there were two pieces of this. He denies the, I don't want to compete in the SEC part, but um, I think there's a little bit of that going on. You know, if you can own Southern Cal and, and that road in the Pac 12 is just better. That's your road to the college football playoff. Um, it won't be nearly as competitive, but I, you know, I don't think it was necessarily for money or for any, you know, his contract's crazy and he's got a lot of perks that come with it, but I don't think it was that. I think it's exactly that. I think that Southern California was so fertile of a, of a ground and Oklahoma's not like Oklahoma's not turning out big time prospects. Um, I, I saw something where it was like, it'd been several years since they had somebody in like the top 40 or or something like that recruits where Southern California just has a ton of talent. And, you know, I can't necessarily blame the guy. I do. My only apprehension in that is Oklahoma is another one of those programs though, where people don't really leave. Like that's a, that's a, I'm committed to the program when I come here kind of place. And um, you either get fired or you retire, you know, you don't like jump ship and go to another program. So a little weird but you can't you can't blame the guy for doing what he's doing the reason um, I, I i mean he didn't have he didn't he went to texas tech right so he didn't go to oklahoma the reason i don't think it's uh, i i don't buy into the whole well, they're a blue blood like they don't have people that leave who cares is my answer i mean if people want to leave nc state unc or duke we're not going to be that upset if they get hired by a better job i mean it's arguable whether usc is a better job but i, I argue with the impending move to the sec they actually are it's easier it's you're making tons of money better recruiting better weather and you're it's an easier path to the playoff i mean i i don't buy into all this i know youtube do a little bit more because of basketball but i don't buy into all this blue blood bullshit i mean if 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 you if you're not an alum and you haven't been there for 10 plus years i don't mean i don't really think you have a whole lot of loyalty uh to to a program that you coached at for four seasons just because they're boomer sooner nation yeah so go i mean record there's pieces that's not completely wrong or by any means but by the same token you know, I think maybe this should be part of their, if that's what they want, then maybe this needs to be part of their criteria when they hire, because I think that's what they view the program as. They're program guys. They're not necessarily, I'm going to go, you know, they're not LSU. I'm going to go try to fi- hire the best coach I can hire and he'll win for seven years and then he'll be gone. And then we're going to go get the next guy. They don't view the program that way. And if you've watched Bob Stoops in the past two weeks, you can see that like the uh, allegedly, or, you know, according to athletic director, they're paying him like $350,000 to be the interim head coach and help just kind of, yeah. For one game. <laughs> yeah. 
and and he's been going on recruiting trips and stuff like that, just kind of like <clears throat> trying to keep things together. Yeah. And uh, he he twice turned down the money. I mean, he's still getting paid as an advisor for to to the university. He still helps fundraise and and do things like that. But you know, I think he's what Oklahoma views themselves as. Yeah. Not, I mean, Lincoln Riley. He coached there for eighteen years, right? So he like, did. I mean, he has a lot more ties to the program than Lincoln Riley. But a question I'm curious that I have for both of you is Brian Kelly, LSU. Um, in the next five years, does he win a national championship? Probably. No. I tend to agree with Ryan strictly because the last three coaches at LSU have all won a national title. And I believe Brian Kelly is a better coach than both Les Miles and Coach O. The other one, Nick Saban, greatest coach in college football history. But LSU, if with the talent they get, if you're a halfway decent coach, I think you can win a national title within a five-year span. They're going to get plenty of talent. I'm still going no. Nick Saban's still going to be around. I mean, Coach O did it with Nick Saban there. I mean, with one of the most historic teams that ever played in college football, but yes. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's go into the timeline just because I want to bore America. I'm going to go, I'm going to run through this purposely as quickly as possible because this is literally what happened since the last time you heard us speak to you. Remember how we talked about how Virginia Tech fired their coach? That was pretty exciting, right? Good thing we didn't do a whole podcast about each one of these. So then the Gators fired Dan Mullen. Uh, I think I picked that as one of my picks. Uh, at the beginning, you of the did. Year. I'll I mean, give you credit for that. You you said that before the season started, so I'll give you credit for that. Then they hired Billy Napier, but nothing else. I also give you credit <laughs> for Carolina being top twelve. <laughs> they are, I think, and something. I'll have to look up and see what it is. But women's soccer. There you go. Field hockey. Gators hired Billy Napier from the Raging Cajuns. Uh, Napier is rumored to go to the Hokies, but they missed out on him there. Lincoln jumped from OU to USC. Uh, he was apparently recruiting potentially both at Oklahoma and USC. That story got swept under the rug. I think the bigger story here was, is he going to change his dog's names? Uh, currently his dog's names are Boomer and Sooner. Uh, we had a little text earlier this week, having some fun with that. So, uh, maybe he should try like fight on or Reggie Bush or something like that for his two dogs names, (laughs) but, uh, sunshine and gasoline, or I don't know, but, uh, Sunshine and waves. I don't know. Whatever they do, in and out. Perhaps. Perhaps that's a that's a that's go. a good one for. Him. It's a good one. I like that. <laughs> or that in also des- that also describes his tenure at Oklahoma. <laughs> Too soon <laughs> for the Oklahoma people. Uh, Brian Kelly went from Notre Dame to LSU. We beat that to death. Uh, what else we got? Mike Houston rumored to go to Tech. Re up to East Carolina. I believe he's playing in that American Athletic. Association of America Conference. Um, Virginia Tech hired a coach, finally, after they missed out on one of the others. Uh, They got some defensive coordinator from Penn State nobody's ever heard of named Brent Pry. Apparently, all he ever did was uh, make Micah Parsons into a superstar stud. So uh, just because you haven't heard of him doesn't mean he ain't uh, worth the salt. Uh, Our compadre on this podcast, Morgan's all fired up because he thinks Brent Pry is going to build a moat around Virginia and shut down the 757. He he did so. win, he did win the press conference because he did I watched a lot of it he did it give phenomenal. a good press conference yeah so like he he get had a very good first impression for the Hokie fan base. I'm only taking shots at Morgan because he's not here. That's what we're supposed to do <laughs> on this podcast. 
<laughs> um, Dave Clawson re-upped to Wake Forest right after David Cutcliffe was fired from Duke. Mario Cristobal was supposedly re-upping at Oregon instead of going to Miami, which they repeatedly told us all bowl game or uh, all championship game as his team was getting trounced. Um, Lane Kiffin was not going to Miami, so he actually stayed and he re-signed. Then Manny Diaz was still apparently at Miami, wondering why everybody was talking about coming and taking a job that he thought that he currently was holding. Um, Then Rhett Lashley. (laughs) He literally was the guy in office space with the stapler in the basement asking HR why he wasn't getting a paycheck. Like, I feel bad for him, dude, man. I do. I do, I do too. I, I saved this on purpose because I'm, I'm glad that he didn't, he, he very politely basically told the U to F themselves because he, he said the first uh, little stanza of his um, goodbye Twitter post was, I'm disappointed in the university's decision and the manner in which this played out over the last few weeks. The uncertainty impacted our team, our staff, and their families. These are real people that gave everything to this program. For that, for them, I hurt. Like, good for him. He didn't thank mm-hmm. the university. He basically told them to kick rocks and kept it about the players. So yep. he kind of he got the raw end on that. Sure did. Well, guess what? Mario Cristobal signed at Miami. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so he left Oregon, uh, which may explain why Oregon played the way they played. Um, not that I'm trying to dance on the guy's grave, but it's just the ridiculousness of all of this. You would think normally that story would lead the headlines. Like last year mm-hmm. with the Lane Kiffin rumors and, and the Oregon coach. And this is a footnote and uh, we'll keep moving. Uh, Bronco, Bronco stepped down, Bronco Mendenhall stepped down at UVA, which is, uh, actually very interesting because he basically said, um, I'm stepping down because I want to be with my wife. Uh, so just in and of itself alone, taking, taking that into consideration is just fascinating. Um, but I would like to point out just for the record, America, I didn't, I didn't leave some of our favorite people out. Uh, Dino Babers is somehow returning at Syracuse. (laughs) Maybe they just wanted to miss this offseason <laughs> of trying to hire a coach. I Maybe can't blame them. <laughs> Speaking of terrible football, uh, member of playoffs. Yeah, Jim Mora. He's uh, decided to be the head coach at UConn. If you remember, UConn is the team that fired their their head coach one game into the season last year. Um, and uh, what else we got here? Rich Rodriguez. I saw Mr. Michigan Man himself. He's now the head coach at the small and mighty Jacksonville State, who's knocked off Florida State twice. And uh, also, I'd like to point out Maryland basketball needs a new head coach as of uh, a couple days ago. So um, just just in case you're keeping track at home and you're bored by all the football talk, um, Maryland Terps basketball team also needs a new head coach. So that's all that's happened since then. And this these were notes that were put in on, what, Thursday? Yeah, we, and have, then we, have we, missed we did miss, we missed a kind of a big story that's happening both at uh, really, it's centered around Clemson. So Brent uh, Venables, all the coordinators, yeah, Brent Venables uh, was a long time from ninety nine to twenty eleven assistant and defensive coordinator for part of that at Oklahoma. Twenty twelve, yep. he went to Clemson. He's been arguably, in in my opinion, he is the best defensive coordinator in the country, and he has been the heart and soul of that Clemson program more so than Dabo, in my opinion, because he was the guy that came in after they gave up seventy in the Orange Bowl. And he has like turned that defense around and had been arguably one of the best, if not the best defenses over the last like 10 years. He's now head coach at Oklahoma. 
Speaking of Miami, the um, Clemson AD has all but signed his contract to become the Miami AD. He's a He's Miami, a Miami alum. Yeah, they're doubling his pay, Miami alum. Cristobal is also a Miami alum. So they're bringing a lot of people home, investing a lot of money into the program. And then also it looks like that the OC – for Clemson, Tony Elliott has interviewed for Duke, and he's a potential candidate there. If he leaves, it really is just Dabo left holding the bag at Clemson. They're still going to be good, and they'll still have some playoff years, but I do think, and mark this down, I, if, if it bites me in the ass, we'll save the audio, but I think this is actually the the begin of the fall of the Clemson dynasty where they're not going to be year in and year out Alabama light anymore. I think they're going to have some good years, but I think they're going to be more akin to LSU than they are. Not necessarily the low end on six and six, but I think they're going to be have a lot more nine and threes than they have in the last decade. Yeah, the, the incredible thing about Clemson staff is somehow over a decade in today's college football, Dabo recreated basically what Bobby Bowden did for like thirty years. So if you if you watch anything or read or or just follow anything about Bobby Bowden's tenure. The thing that stands out is they were like they were a group that stuck together. Almost no one left. Not in towards it was it was very at towards the tail end of his time at Florida State that coaches started to take head coaching jobs other places. <clears throat> and they they like had family dinners on Wednesday night with all the players, like the whole like everybody's family came, like wives and kids and the whole deal. And somehow Debo recreated that for like a decade mm-hmm. in Clemson. Um, and it's pretty incredible because that continuity is is a big part That's of their Tom. success. Um, and he's going to have some good staff. They're going to have money to hire good people. But what's the, you know, are they going to turn in? It's hard to do what Nick Saban does, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Nick Saban has a cast of characters around him every year, and it changes a lot. But that program doesn't change. And that's hard to accomplish. It just shows how good of a leader and coach he is. We'll see if Dabo can recreate it. I'm not, I agree with you. I'm not sure he will. I mean, I think they're always going to be good under him. They're, he's going to recruit well. He's going to have money to hire good assistants. Um, but are they going to be Alabama good? I guess we'll two or three years, five years, be able to make a judgment on that. But yeah, it's crazy what they've done. And, it's just going to be in a time of upheaval down in Clemson. Hopefully Duke actually does pull Tony Elliott North. So we'll see what happens. To your point, I was thinking the other night about what I, uh, what I said, what there was a text that I sent to you guys about who's won the ACC in the past 20 years. To your point, Dustin, about keeping people together. Think about the teams that have done it. Virginia tech with Beamer and, uh, Bud Foster staying yep. together forever and ever and ever Florida state doing the same thing you were talking about. They, they had a couple early on before Bowden left and then now Clemson. I mean, this seems to be, this isn't rocket science, but it seems to be the path of success. So, uh, so you're telling me that our commitment to Dave Doran, who's been there nine years and our staff who we just gave over a million dollars of raises to the assistants and gave them money for analysts like Alabama has, you're saying we might be able to, you're saying there's a chance is what I'm hearing. So I'm, I'm hearing saying, nine and three instead of eight and four <laughs> on average. Yeah, we've we've already been averaging nine and three, but that means we might have a year as ten and two and six and two might <laughs> win the division. We saw it with uh Pitt and Wake this year. I'm saying you guys will go all the way to the championship game and then probably have something crazy happen to you and you'll get pulled out and two other teams will play instead. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. 
And it'll be two awful teams, too. It'll be like Carolina and Syracuse. (laughs) Yeah, because those are are definitely equivalents. I agree, Dustin. That's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. We covered the timeline. It's a little nuts. Is there... uh, What else? What else should we... What else? I mean, so what's still open? So Virginia's still open. Um, Yeah. But they, they look like... It sounds like, assuming something doesn't fall apart, Anthony Poindexter is going to be their next head coach. Okay. Um, Coming yeah. from, help At me. Penn State. Penn State, right. Penn State. Yeah, another. so Virginia, both of the big Virginia schools are going to be led by former Penn State staff. And Jim, James, I call him Jim Franklin. James Franklin, uh, there's a little joke in there for family. Uh, Jimmy Franklin is going to be staying at Penn State. He was rumored to go about halfway to everywhere. So yep. uh, he's he gets, making a pretty penny. That's the other part about the off season. Um, anyone with a good agent got a big time extension and yep. used to be, you know, Oh, here's three more years, one more years, maybe five. These guys are signing 10 year deals. Um, James Franklin got 10 for 75 million. Mel Tucker got 10 for 95 million. Wow. I couldn't believe so that. Do like, you know who's paying that? I actually got an inside scoop on that the other day. Um, they have two big boosters at Michigan State. One of them is a former walk-on for the Michigan State basketball team. He just absolutely loves Sparty, right? He's a big tech billionaire now. And he basically, it's two guys paying Mel Tucker's salary. Wow. But you got big big boosters, you can do anything. But I, I was blown away by that. I didn't think Michigan State had that kind of money. But apparently they do. Um, but the point is like that, Everybody, I mean, even Mike Houston down in ECU was getting, I think his contract was like $2.3 million or something. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money for Greenville. Yep. Um, so this year, if you didn't re-up as a coach, you're, uh, you either had an awful, awful year or you have a bad agent because everybody got paid this year. It's you a good market. To your point, Lane, Lane Kiffin got a deal, so... I guess I can keep my Ole Miss shorts. I was a little worried that, uh, that my 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 dalliance for one year with Ole Miss was going to have to go away, but I'm happy to to say that uh, I can continue to wear those around the neighborhood proudly. And uh, the other for a one, a couple more years, I, he'll jump ship at some point. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I I hope he once Lincoln Riley leaves for the next shiny object. I hope he goes back to USC. I hope he lands <laughs> on the tarmac. Uh, for those that don't know, he was fired on the tarmac. I hope he lands on the tarmac and kisses the ground or makes some sort of, you know, Nick, Nixon in reverse statement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you aren't uh, planning the rumors that he's going to take over for Mac at the Hill. <laughs> oh, I would, that would be, I that would be phenomenal. Uh, that would be phenomenal. First of all, we have a history of loving coaches that wear visors. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would actually be worried about Lane more so than Mac. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Max, Mac can recruit can't coach now but lane lane be dangerous yeah because i actually saw the other day oh speaking of old miss there ryan their oc jeff levy is uh heavily linked to being the oc at oklahoma with brent venables which is actually a big loss for old miss because lane kiffin himself yeah. has said that the way that him uh and i can't remember who the other guy in the uh sec was but jeff levy he was talking about how he, he calls the game so quickly lane was like i can't even do that he goes it's beyond my comprehension and lane is an offensive guru so I think that would actually is probably a, a hit for the the uh the rebels. I forget 
um, when I believe it was Arkansas. Don't quote me on this. Those of, uh, of our listeners that have listened to our podcast will know what we're talking about when he was calling the game against his brother-in-law and they were both the offensive coaches and it ended up being like a 110 point game and Libby ended up pulling out the win. And he said like, it was just going to be super awkward at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Cause like the wives don't speak and the whole thing, like this is, this is the guy we're talking about super ultra competitive. So it'll be a shame to see what happens with both corral and the OC moving on. Um, you know, greener pastures, I may, maybe I should say bluer pastures may be leading lane home. <laughs> we'll see speaking as somebody else, speaking as somebody else who may be coming home. Um, and I'm trying to get out in front of this cause I can't wait until it gets announced like later on this week and we can claim we were the first people to say it, but, uh, I'd like to point out, I know this isn't Southern, but it's coaches, uh, chip Kelly no longer has a buyout on his contract January 15th. And the buyout on his contract is a rather minuscule, I think it's like eight or nine million. No, that sounds crazy, but not for a school like Oregon. Chip Kelly returns home. There's an open job there right now. There's no buyout after January 15th. I'd just like to say alternative media, if we're right, I told you Dan Mullen was going to get fired. I'm just telling you, we have some inside sources, certain places are very popular at certain frat houses. Just saying. <laughs> That's true. That means that we would have broken that uh, Chip Kelly to Oregon, Dan Mellon fired, and Kyle Larson being signed by Hendrick. There you go. Keep and listening to us. Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> there you <Dan>. go. <laughs> Three. <laughs> Keep listening to us for more super, super important information to your daily life. <laughs> I, I, do want, I do want to acknowledge... Uh, Venables, Brent Venables cut his teeth on the Bill Snyder staff at Kansas State. So Brett, he, play, he played there too. Mm-hmm. We just want to acknowledge that Brett, that the OU coach cut his teeth at Kansas State. You're welcome. <laughs> so what you're saying is a Midwest boy couldn't take it in the South, so he moved back to the Midwest. Got it. <laughs> ran him, ran him off for the East Coast, just like Mario Cristobal got run out of the West Coast. <laughs> I mean, Venables was here for 10 years and doesn't have a Southern accent. So, I mean, I don't know what Brian Kelly's doing. He was here for 10 minutes. <laughs> I heard somebody try and explain this away. And I was curious what you guys take was on this. They said that anytime you go to a rock show or a concert or whatever, even if it's like you two and Bono standing up there with his Irish accent, talking about the sufferings of, you know, probably shouldn't make fun of that because there are people suffering while we talk about college football, but he's standing up there. He says, everybody goes into like preacher mode where they just start speaking into a microphone and they're just projecting their, he said they could just go into Southern preacher mode. And he, he, he assumes that's what Brian Kelly was doing. Call him BS on that. I think Brian Kelly was trying to get into the hearts and minds of the uh, Southern faithful and specifically into the boosters pockets with the little Southern accent there. And it was, it's pretty yeah, pitiful. Yeah. Big time faults, fake news right there. As we discussed this week, forever now through the rest of the time on Miz and Reckless will now be referred to as Mr. Authentic. <laughs> Barstool, <laughs> Barstool put up something of that video and they said he gains a Southern accent faster than a Northeastern kid going uh, to college down South in the SEC. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> if we ever have a carpetbagger corner in the future, it'll be sponsored by Brian Kelly. <laughs> aka mr authentic <laughs> i <True>. do declare <laughs> <laughs> that's where he got it from he watched the office with uh caleb Carl dad and he was like oh that's how southern people talk 
<laughs> he's like Michael Scott. He's like, you know, Southern people end every sentence with I do declare. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for this episode of Miserable and Reckless, I'm Logan sitting here with uh, Dustin and Ryan. So we will see you next time. I do declare.